here we go. Hello. We've just arrived, um, but we, we were getting a bit lost, but we think we found it now. It's, and there's a kind of colourful uh, park or playground. Got it. Okay, see you very soon. Okay, bye. Last summer, 13-year-old Christopher Capessa drowned in a river in South Wales in a small village called Mountain Ash. Initially, the police said Christopher's death was a tragic accident. But now, the Crown Prosecution Service agrees that he was pushed in. I went to Wales with my producer Poppy Damon to find out more. And just a warning, this story has descriptions of racist abuse and the death of a child. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hi. Hi. Found hi. It. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Do come in. Thank you very much. This is Mamvin. Mam Come in. Would you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, my name's Alina. I'm Christopher Capessa's mum. Uh, I'm an aunt. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm also a great aunt. Yeah. Alina is sat on a leather sofa, surrounded by pictures of Christopher. They record his life at different ages, but the cheeky smile and the glinting glasses appear in most of the images. This one was February 2019. Yeah. And obviously that's you know him when he was a bit younger and stuff like that. This Very one, innocent baby. Yeah, 2017, that, that one there, on my graduation day. Yeah, couldn't see. <laughs> Broke his glasses, as he usually does. Um, squinted oh, his eyes, you know. He looks very serious, but he's squinting. Yeah. So tell me about your son. Tell me about Christopher. <clears throat> I gave birth to him by myself. He's the only... I say he's a unique child out of all the, 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 the children. Um, everybody else was born in the hospital, you know. How was he... How did you end up giving birth? Oh, gosh. Christopher was just a stubborn baby in the, when he was in my womb. He's very stubborn. He has to come out, you know, when he's ready. And when was he ready? The 6th. The 6th of January, 
He was already late. It was, I think it was only a couple of days late, but it felt like, like as if it was a lifetime of lateness. And um, I think just around 11, 11 something, I didn't have any contractions, none whatsoever. But suddenly, Christopher was on his way. Alina ended up giving birth in the corridor. She didn't even have time to get to a bedroom. So by the time the ambulance got there, I'd already, you know, I, I was already carrying Christopher up on my arms. He was, he was so beautiful. Absolutely so beautiful. He, he was just, I don't know, he was just shining. A shiny baby. Even if you looked at the pictures, his complexion outshined the blue baby vest that he was wearing. You know, everywhere I go around with go around with him, you know, like just doing normal shopping and stuff. People just they couldn't see him because he was in the car seat. But for some reason they just wanted to know just can I just see? Can I see? You know? So he, I don't know, he attracted something without even people seeing him. And I think that's what I see now today. So he's still had those kind of qualities of getting people's attention and stuff. So, yeah. And the, uh, <laughs> the rest is, you know, history, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, very handsome, handsome man, boy, you know, Christopher was very handsome. What sort of a boy was he? Christopher was just um, cheeky, very cheeky, um, loud, Loving, very caring, um, sneaky at times, you know, and he's trying to get his own way. Very talented, talented in sports, particularly um, football. Very intelligent, I would say, very smart as well. He'd always challenge, you know, his siblings, me, I suppose the teachers as well. He always had something to say, you know, when he put his mind to it and stuff. And, and annoying. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, oh, Christopher, I think that's the that's the only name some of his um, uh, siblings would... Um, my youngest daughter would always say that as well, whenever she couldn't win an argument with him. He was, he was loved, he was, um, he was cherished, he was, you know... He was just Christopher. He was just Christopher, his own unique way with his own temperament. A budding footballer, Christopher was born in London, the fourth of Alina's seven children. In 2011, Alina packed up her life and moved the family to a much quieter area in South Wales. She got a job as a bus driver and they went to live in a small village in the Rhonda Valley. Today, we find them nearby, in a house in the middle of a sprawling council estate, surrounded by dramatic, mist-covered hills. But from the moment they moved the family's experiences were far from idyllic. In those areas in particular, you could count with your fingers how many black people you've seen. And I remember very well that we were called the only black in the village because it was true, you know, a single mum with so many children. The family faced a barrage of racist abuse. We've had graffitis on the wall, hate letters in the letterbox... You don't belong here, go back to where you came from, um, things like that. Damage to the property, children being beaten up, children being pissed on. Mothers, you know, manhandling one of my children by the neck, you know, grabbing them, you know, point of choking, um, trying to run them over. 
you know? You'd be walking down, up and down the town centre, people looking at you oddly as if, you know, you don't belong. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've all, and he had quite a few, you know, sort of traumatic few years. Yeah, Christopher especially, since moving to Wales, his one hasn't been easy. And because he's so loving, he wants to be out there interacting with everybody else, you know, engaging with them. Even, even when he was at, in harm's way, he still didn't see it, you know. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, after ground you, look, after ground you can't go outside, you can't. You can't be going out there. No, you know, he want, you know, he was eager, eager to to integrate, eager to engage, eager to have friends, have, you know, peers his age. But majority of the time, or at the end of the day, there was always a major incident, always a major incident. Alina found that every time Christopher went out to play with children of his own age, it never ended well. They'll be throwing stones at him. Name calling, calling him names, monkey, N word, and whatever. You know, you're ugly, you're this and that. Da, da. There were times where I was told to come to meetings to the school because, oh, Christopher done this, but they didn't see the lead up to why Christopher done it. So they just then judged what they saw, not actually looking at the root cause. When you sit down and speak to him, you know, mum, they did this, they called me monkey. One incident in particular haunted Alina. It's not clear if it was racially motivated, but it was certainly traumatic for her and for Christopher. One time I remember a passerby came and knocked on my door and she said to me, are you Alina? And I said, yeah. Um, he said, oh, you need to come quick. Christopher's badly hurt. You know, he's in the co-op. So I went there. You know, Christopher was in the pool of blood. There's blood everywhere in the co-op. So much blood was popping out. I don't know. I don't know whether they struck him with something. I don't know what it was. I was so upset. All I know is that he was with a couple of boys and they played a particular game with him. And then the, the rest is history. He was bleeding so much. You know, my, my words to him was, did I not tell you not to go out? You know, so we can just avoid this. They don't like you. Alina didn't call the police because by then... She'd stop trusting them. I didn't call the police because all the previous occasions I've called the police. They'll come. Statements were given. They pushed it aside. What did they say? The police never done anything on all the occasions that they came. A lot of the police officers that came, they were very racist. They were very biased. They were very biased. I'd stop reporting any incidents because there was no point. There was nobody to look out for you. There was nobody to intervene. There's no resources in these areas to support people of different ethnicity unless you've got, you know, decent neighbours who are, you know, willing to at least, you know, just, just to give you a friend type of a level of support. But when it comes to like local authorities, you know, the government and there's, there's nothing there. There's no point. This has been our experience in, 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 in the valleys. What made you stay in the valleys? A beggar cannot be a chooser. You know, you're given a property by the local authority. If I had money, I would have, you know, up and left a long time ago. In 2018, the family was hit by tragedy when a fire destroyed their home. In March last year, they moved to a new town in the same area, but Christopher didn't like his new school. And then 
just a few months later, tragedy hit again. On that day, the 1st of July, um, lovely, bright, sunny day. That's the weirdest part about it. It's such a beautiful day. There you go. So it was the morning and I think um, I took the younger one to school. Christopher, you know, waved me goodbye because I had an, an appointment with my hairdresser to go and get my hair done. As I was driving down, I saw Christopher walking, you know, with his glasses, you know, black trousers, his um, short sleeveless green top, you know, just his normal self. That memory of Christopher walking along is still so strong for Alina, a fleeting moment in time. Later that day, she was on the phone to her sister when Christopher bounced in home from school. When I revisit everything, it just feels so quick. Everything just happened so quick. He said, um, Mum, I'm going out to play or something like that. So, um, you know, I continued talking to my sister. And like I said, everything just seemed to just be just going fast now when I look back at it. So somebody knocked on the door. Alina peered out of the window and saw a man standing there who she later learned was one of Christopher's football coaches. And um, said, oh, you know, Lena, I need to speak to you about Christopher. As I was just closing the window, my daughter was also coming up the stairs screaming. You know, Christopher's jumped off a bridge. Oh, it's like, you know, some kind of a joke or something like that. Again, so fast. All I can just hear, boom, boom, boom. The kids were jumping out of their bunk beds, the older ones, and I can just hear them, you know, rushing down the stairs. And the next thing, it was silent. Everything was just, it was just silent. And um, saying, oh, okay, everything's gonna be okay. Okay, so I came down. I still had my robe on. I think I came out through the garden. I'd already seen the helicopter because I could hear it in it as I was walking towards to him. So he said to me. Do you see the helicopter? And I said, yeah. And he said, um, that, that's the helicopter trying to find Christopher. I think he said, oh, you know, he jumped off a bridge. I said, he jumped off a, a, a bridge? I didn't know we have we had a bridge. I've never seen a river. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. We have a river. So I said, oh, can you take me there? <laughs> With my robe, I was... I was not properly dressed. But I said, you know what, just take me there, you know, with my bare feet. Took me to his car, put him in his, you know, got in his car. But halfway there, Christopher's coach got a call. He told Alina that the police were on their way to her house. And so they turned back and he drove her home. Everything was happening just fast, fast. Like I said, I was trying to picture this bridge. Who in their right mind would want to jump off a bridge? And the last thing Christopher said to me, Mum, I'm going to... I'm going to play football. So the police came. We need to search the house. And I said, why? And I think he must have said something along the lines of, yeah, sometimes um, when kids go missing. I said, missing? Christopher's missing. I thought he jumped off a bridge. I think I started asking them, you know, what's happening? You know, those kind of questions. And, and because they didn't answer my questions and stuff like that, one was to say that I was becoming a bit panicky and... Because it was like one minute I'm trying to do the dishes, one minute I'm trying to find something to tidy up. And to the point I said, you know what, I can't be bothered with this no more. I just said to them, I'm going upstairs for a lie down. Again, I don't know how long I was on the bed for. Because, you know, everything just seemed to be moving so fast. The next 
thing that I heard come out of one of the police officers' mouth is, we found Christopher. We need to take you to the hospital. So I was like, oh, is he okay? Um, we don't know. Um, we've just been told to take you to the hospital. Alina and her son were brought into a dull, grey waiting room. That room, you know what, whoever done that deco needs to change, that is a terrible room. Very dim, very... That room smelled of death. And every person that came in that room, they couldn't even utter. The doctor couldn't even tell me. He started off by saying... Um, uh, Mrs. Joseph, uh, uh, um, um, I'm like, where's Christopher? Um, no, um, you know, I need to really like, you know, you know, explain. I burst out of that room. I left them all behind. I just started walking randomly. I didn't even know where I was going. Somehow I ended up in this. It felt like a, one of the longest corridors ever. And I was, I, I was asking them, you know, in tears and, you know, where's my son? You know, where's my son? I just kept walking and walking. And there he was. There he was. He's just lying there, covered in all these blankets and... You know, all these st oh, stuff and things like that. So, you know, yeah. Very cold. You know, um, so, um, I called out his name. No, yes, and usually he's followed by yes, mum. Nothing, you know. He's just lying there. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. The new series Queenie is now streaming on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim. All made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. Alina's son was gone, but it was unclear how he had died. It changed from he jumped off a bridge to he slipped while he was on the bridge. There were so many questions about what had happened, but Alina was in no state to ask them. She was in shock. I don't know if that, that's the onset of going through all the stages of trying to grieve. In my head then, what was happening was um, I was kind of like, OK, OK, I'm going to bury him, I'm going to bury him and then... I'm going to have to go back to work and then, um, okay. So those are the kind of things that were just playing in my mind because I think I was just trying to get to my head, okay, we're going to go for the funeral, we're going to bury him and then I'm going to go back to work. That just kept playing. I, I couldn't get out of that phase. Even when when one of my sisters came over that, that night, she had loads of questions. I didn't understand her. In my head, it's just, you know, bury Christopher and then go back to work. And when did that change? In the morning, you know, I started blaming myself. If only, I remember I was in the shower for the longest period of time. I was just, I was, woman, I was crying when I was talking to myself. It's my fault. It's my fault. You know, I, I shouldn't have let him go out. You know, is it something I've done? You know, have I committed one of the worst offences? Have I, have I done, you know, whatever it is I must have done to cause this upon my, to bring this upon myself. But Alina's sister was still asking questions. So she's there she's trying to get me out of the shower because I was just asking, we need to go, we need to go to find out where Christopher died. What good would that do? You know, that's not going to bring him back. She was very persistent. She was very persistent. They went to the river where Christopher had died and they realised that people were still walking around the police hadn't secured the scene. Later, two officers came to Alina's house to explain what had happened. He offered his condolences and stuff like that, you know. You know, it was a very, it was a a real tragic accident. You know, in my mind, what's still going on? I'm still thinking about blaming myself and stuff like that. So my sister was asking him all these questions and stuff like that. Turned into like a proper Sherlock Holmes for a moment there, I swear. Alina says one of the officers snapped, saying, I'm not here to be interrogated. His voice seemed to shake Alina out of her shocked state. She asked the officer how many children had been at the scene when Christopher died. He said around 10 or 12, but they'd only spoken to four. And I said, you, are you going to be speaking to the rest of them? And that's when he said to me, there's no need. And, and this is how I know that I then came back to reality because I said, if there was a death in this house, 
and there was 20 people in this house, would you not be speaking to the, all those 20 people? He said, yeah. And I said, so, so why is it different with Christopher? He said, oh, well, we, we, we have no reason to doubt those children, you know. Things weren't adding up. Christopher had always been very cautious around water because he knew he couldn't swim. He always stayed in the shallow areas and he always kept his glasses on. And now, what the authorities were telling Alina kept changing. It seemed strange them saying, first of all, he jumped from a bridge. And then in the hospital, he slipped from the bridge. Which one is it? Did he jump or did he slip? And then I think in between that, some people, they were coming, they were giving us certain information. He was being bullied prior to the incident. The day after Christopher died, Alina's lawyer, Hilary Brown, came to see her to express her condolences. Hilary had helped Alina with a housing issue the previous year and she knew how isolated she felt in the community. Hilary was alarmed by what she heard of the investigation. She got in touch with Suresh Grover, who runs the anti-racism charity, The Monitoring Group. It was abundantly clear right from the outside that uh, the police had failed in the initial investigation. Suresh travelled to Wales to meet Alina and filed a complaint about the investigation on her behalf just four days after Christopher had died. When he and Alina met with someone from the Police Professional Standards Office, he was shocked to see a member of the team Alina was complaining about at the meeting. I'd never come across that in 40 years. And I was shocked. And I said to the police officers, listen, I think it's a conflict of interest to have a police officer who she wants to complain against with the officer that would be investigating the complaint. Eventually, in late July a new investigative team was brought in to look at Christopher's case. But, Suresh says, by that point, precious time had been lost. It could never be a complete investigation because of the failures of the first initial investigation. You have to preserve the scene as quickly as possible. So the police hadn't done that. The second thing is you have children there. And if you don't take statements over a period of time, you're going to lose all the evidence. So they never really collected the evidence properly. I mean, Christopher was the only black child in this whole group. Did they really investigate the racial, the circumstantial evidence around it, which is laced with racism against the family? Uh, did they really have the expertise uh, to investigate cases that may have a race element to it? The investigative team submitted their findings to the Crown Prosecution Service in December 2019. And in February this year, Alina got a letter from the CPS. It turns out Christopher didn't jump or slip. Investigators concluded that he'd been pushed by one of the other children. But the CPS didn't want to prosecute the child who did it. Alina and Hillary went public, accusing the CPS and the police of systemic racism for bungling the investigation and failing to prosecute the suspect. So my name is Jude Lanching. I specialise in criminal defence and a huge amount of my work has always been focused around issues of race. 
particularly around the treatment of young people. I am also part of a working party on racial disparity in the youth criminal justice system from start to finish, effectively. Jude says the CPS, like the police, does have a history of racial bias. So while I can't comment on the specifics of this particular case, it really would not be surprising to me if, in fact, the police had not properly either investigated or taken into account the race and racist context of this particular case. Certainly, there are very well-known historic cases, the most well-known being Stephen Lawrence, but there are other cases, for example, Michael Menson, a young black man, who was set on fire in North London and following, in the years following Stephen Lawrence, and there was a huge controversy as to the manner in which the police had investigated that. I would say that in my experience as a solicitor working with young people and also as a community worker and community activist, it is very sad to say, but I do not think that the family are off the mark or crazy or, or anything else that people who might be detractors of them might say to, for the family to feel so strongly that race is at play. All I can say is that the youth criminal justice system, as with the criminal justice system overall is riddled with racist practices throughout, all of which are becoming more and more evident through research. Alina asked the Crown Prosecution Service to reconsider their decision. After months of tense waiting, the CPS released a statement on July the 20th. But the second letter from the CPS contained an even more shocking detail than the first. They admitted that there was enough evidence to not just prosecute, but to have a realistic prospect of a conviction for manslaughter. But, despite that, they decided not to proceed to trial. Hilary Brown, Alina's lawyer, says the fight is far from over. There's only one way to challenge that decision, and that's by way of judicial review. And that's what we're considering at this time. Hilary says they don't want vengeance. They just want to be treated fairly and to have an equal right to justice. Our position is, had the uh, death of a young white boy been brought about at the hands of uh, a black uh, boy or girl where there were lots of other black young people, charges would have been preferred by this time. Why do you think they have decided not to pursue the case? Well, they've said what their reasons are. They, they say it's not in the public interest. We believe that they have misapplied uh, the rules, they've misinterpreted their own policies, uh, and we believe that racism plays a, a big factor in their decision. The horror of what happened to Christopher haunts Alina every day, particularly as the family is still being targeted by serious racist abuse. 
In fact, someone is currently serving a 12-week prison sentence for a racist incident directed at the family. It's so difficult for me to go back to work. You know, I feel my, my, my children, you know, they're at risk. You know, I don't let the younger ones, I don't let them go out. If they do go out, they go out with the older ones. You know, it's safer when they're in a lot of numbers as opposed to just one or two of them and stuff like that. Even after the death of Christopher, my daughter was, was put in a position whereby a child, but the, the words that came out of that child's mouth, you know, something along the lines, I don't care if your brother's dead, I'm going to beat you up and, you know, I, I'm still very fearful. So any phone call that I get, it's like, I'm expecting to just hear bad news. The mind is a strange thing. After what you, if you've experienced so much, the mind starts, you know. My feelings was, once again, you know, we've been let down. I've been let down. Christopher's been let down. Um, the justice system doesn't seem to really give an ounce of care for Christopher. And that was very emotionally draining. We have a system in place. You've got the police where you're supposed to give your trust and you feel that, you know what, you'll be protected. And then you've got the justice system, which you, you are made to believe that they will be there to fight your corner. I don't even know why they're saying condolences to me because it means nothing. It's like you're spitting in my face. I can't, I just can't see the spit though. Christopher's been made to feel he was worthless. How, how can you say to me that um, your child is is dead because of A, B, C, D reasons, but uh, we found we've also found evidence who done it, but they can they can just continue with life while we continue to cry and mourn for Christopher. Every single day, every single day, every single day. And the pain is just um, very painful. Pain, you can't, can't even describe it. You can choose a thousand words, but because we, we're social beings, we're, we're known to just utter words, even in Lingala, even in French. There's no word to, to describe the pain that they've they've left me with from you know from the death of Christopher. What would help you? What do you feel like you need to see done to make Justice. Sense? Justice. Some ounce of justice. That to me will show sympathy, empathy even an ounce of it and they haven't they haven't none of them Jenny Hopkins of the CPS Appeals and Reviews Unit said there was nothing to suggest the suspect intended to harm Christopher although that was the awful consequence she said, We recognise our decision will be upsetting for the family, who may feel the suspect's life has been prioritised over Christopher's. I hope they can understand how we came to the decision. 
South Wales Police have referred the investigation into Christopher's death to the Independent Office for Police Conduct and are waiting for the review. They told us they will be absolutely committed to implementing any opportunities for learning by South Wales Police. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana. The producers were Poppy Damon and Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>